Hello, and welcome back to the Sunny Reading Project. Today's book is about Native Americans, and it's called The Very First Americans. It's written by Kara Ashrose and illustrated by Brenna Waldman. Let's get started. Long, long ago, nobody lived in America. There were animals, huge woolly mammoths, big wildcats, bison, but no people at all. Animals may have led the first people here. The animals wandered into America from the frozen north and hunters came after them. After hundreds of years, these first Americans were scattered across the country. They lived in big groups called tribes. There were hundreds of different tribes in America. Each one had its own language, its own way of life, and its own name. But when Columbus landed in America in 1492, he thought he was in the Indies. So he called the people he met Indians. The name stuck. On the Northwest Coast, tribes like the Chinook, the Meka, and the Salish made their homes near the water along the Northwest Coast of America. Most of their food came right from the sea. The Meka were very good whale hunters. They carved great canoes from the trunks of huge trees. Some canoes held up to 60 people. The hunters came just as close to the whale as they could. Men speared the whale with long harpoons. Later, the whole village feasted on whale meat and berries. Fishing for salmon was much easier than hunting whales. Salmon were caught in traps that stretched from one side of a river to the other. Some fishermen believed that the first salmon caught was very special. They prayed over it, cooked it, and gave everyone a taste. Then put the skeleton back in the river. They believed that this would bring more salmon back the next spring. All the tribes of the Northwest were fine woodworkers. The Haida built big wooden houses that faced the sea. Sometimes they carved the front door to look like an animal's mouth. The Haida also carved and painted giant totem poles with birds, animals, and people on them. The totem poles told family stories and legends. The Northwest people often had feasts. Sometimes they lasted for several days. At the feast, the host gave away many gifts, blankets, jewelry, even canoes. 
The host wanted to give away as much as possible. It showed just how important and rich he was. The hot, dry desert of the Southwest was where the Hopi, the Navajo, and the Zuni lived. The Hopi built clay houses high on flat-topped mountains called mesas. Hopi means the beautiful ones. But some tribes who lived nearby were not so peaceful. They raided Hopi villages and stole food and blankets. That's one reason why the Hopi built their homes in high, hard-to-reach places to stay safe from their enemies. And if an enemy did reach a Hopi home, he would have a hard time ever getting inside. Instead of front doors, homes had holes in the roof with ladders that could be pulled inside quickly. It was not easy to farm in the desert where so little rain fell. Without rain, crops would not grow and people would starve. So each year, the Hopi prayed for rain. Hopi priest would dance holding snakes in their mouths. Then the snakes were set free to carry Hopi prayers back to special spirits. The zigzagging bodies of the snakes in the sand reminded Hopi of the lightning that would come with the rain. Long ago, millions of buffalo roamed the grassy plains of the Midwest. Tribes like the Cheyenne, the Pawnee, and the Sioux hunted buffalo. And since buffalo herds kept moving, these tribes stayed on the move too. The teepee made a good home for the Sioux. It was easy to put up and take down. When the chief signaled it was time to leave, the whole village could be ready to move in just a few minutes. Buffalo hunting was very dangerous. Hunters needed fast, brave horses. Indians honored their horses the same way they honored the best hunters, with eagle feathers. The Comanche were the best horsemen on the plains. By the time a boy was a teenager, he could gallop at full speed, lean over, and swing another person onto his horse. This was important. It was easy to fall and get hurt during buffalo hunts. Plains people were very thankful for the buffalo. They ate buffalo meat. They turned buffalo skin into clothing, tents, and blankets. Bones and horns were carved into tools, bowls, and cups. Buffalo tails made good fly swatters. 
Children even played with toys made from the buffalo. Bone, dice, and balls of rolled up hair. The Delaware, the Iroquois, and the Penobscot lived in the eastern woodlands. Trees were all around them, everywhere. And woodlands people put trees to good use. Branches became bows or spears or tools for farming. Bark was made into baskets, bags, and canoes. The Iroquois and the Delaware made long houses out of trees and bark. They were so big, many families could live in just one. Woodlands people were great hunters. They could look at the tracks of an animal and know which way it was going and even how fast. Hunters could move very quietly over leafy forest floor. Sometimes they disguised themselves with deer skins so they could sneak up on their prey. Most woodlands tribes had leaders called chiefs. When the pilgrims came to America from England, they met the great chief of the Wampanoag people. His name was Masoy. At first, the pilgrims were afraid of this tall man with his painted face, his wolfskin cape, and his bone necklace. But they soon learned that Masoit was good and honest and kind. Masoit promised to help the pilgrims get settled in their new land and to live in peace with them. And he did for all his life. Some woodlands people like the Seminole, lived further south, where it was warm all year long. They lived in houses called chickies with roofs made out of palm leaves. The sides of the chickies were open to let cool breezes in. The Seminole made bright colored clothing and jewelry. The women sometimes wore hundreds of necklaces at the same time. For hundreds of years, Indians were the only Americans. Then, about 500 years ago, great ships began to arrive. People from Europe wanted to settle in America. The Indians tried to carry on with their way of life, but it was not easy. As years passed, the settlers moved onto Indian lands. They did not want the Indians to hunt or plant there anymore. By 1900, the new settlers had claimed most of the country. They forced the native people to move to special areas called reservations. Today, almost 2 million American Indians make their homes in this country. More than a third live on reservations. The rest live in cities and towns. Many Indians say they walk in two worlds. 
They are part of today's America, but at the same time, they keep the ways of their people, the very first Americans. The end. Thank you for listening.